Welcome to Konoha Crush, a clandestine effort to exhaustively research and document events occurring in and around the village hidden in the leaves. I'm Ruby. And I'm Gwen. How you doing? I'm I'm doing alright, you know. I've uh I've I've been trying to just keep keep my head afloat before I like fall into Final Fantasy XIV hole next week. That's right. Yeah. So I'm I'm not gonna have anything to talk about next week on the podcast before we get into the uh, the Naruto episodes because I what I am bringing to the to our first segment next time is the understanding that nobody will want to hear about Final Fantasy fourteen by the time that episode goes up. Well, I certainly won't. Uh, for listeners, I'm one of the very few people in Ruby and I's extended friend group that does not play Final Fantasy. It is an exceedingly small number at this point, and uh, it's it's very brave, I want to say, of her to hold out and continue to not play Final Fantasy fourteen. I just can't do MMOs, and maybe we can talk more about Final Fantasy. No, that's 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 not that's not something I'm going to go that deep into this week, right? Because you yeah, know, I'm I'm just getting back into the swing of things, and you don't really care, and I don't, I'm not planning going to it next next week either, unless you really want to. I mean, you know, I don't hate hearing about it. I'll see, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I mean the thing that's been on my mind this this last these last few days is that I just finished watching the TV version of the Demon Slayer Mugen Train arc. Um, yeah, so I I actually never watched the movie because for whatever reason I uh, I was having a hard time just finding like two hours to sit down and watch like a kind of middling Demon Slayer arc, but I could do it spread out over like seven weeks. Oh, and a longer amount of time. Interesting, because I saw the movie. Uh huh. And because I saw the movie, I didn't want to waste my time watching it stretched out into a bunch of anime episodes. That makes sense. That makes sense. There was like a, I, I th- see. It's interesting because I think maybe my favorite episode of it was the first one, which was just all new stuff for the TV version, as far as I understand. Okay, so it's worth checking out. Um, if 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 you like care on that level, you know, if you want to see. Uh, like, I can't remember the guy's name. What's the ketchup and mustard hair guy's name? Rengoku? Rengoku. Yeah, I don't fucking care. He he, he dies anyway. Who gives a shit? <laughs> okay, so yeah. You know, if, if you're on that level, if you're one of the big Rengoku heads and you want to see that, you know, you want to see another little solo adventure starring him, that's probably a great time for you. But if you're just kind of along for the ride because it's the big thing, you don't got to go back. But no, I... Because I didn't watch the movie, by the time I got around to, like, watching the TV version, it definitely had this reputation of, like, here is the contents of the highest grossing anime film ever made. And I I guess it was hard for that to not color it, because I just, I think it's, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, that is my review of the movie, also. It's, uh, it's a pretty good, very long episode of an anime. Right, and it's not that much more impressive than an episode of that anime. It's not, and let me tell you, there were a lot of 3D effects on that there train, and they did not look fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what you what you go for with a UFO table a lot of the time, but, you know, it's uh, it's not to everybody's taste. It's not always to my taste. I think there's definitely some big CG masses of flesh in there that I, I don't think look great. But yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, you know, this is like the biggest thing and i'm coming at it at the from the perspective of trying to understand why it's the biggest thing and i i i guess i don't know if i fully get there well re- regardless of the content of the actual movie demon slayer is a hugely popular and like pretty good shonen anime mm-hmm. yeah like i i'm coming into this kind of cold on this specific arc because i think it's kind of unfocused and I think it's like a pretty weak take on the specific tropes that it's playing with a lot of the time. But there are parts of Demon Slayer that I really like. 
Right. And the the metric by which we judge movies is how many people like bought a ticket. And the thing about that is that people haven't seen the movie when they buy their ticket. So it's a popularity contest more than it is like a judging of the quality of the movie itself. But I, th- I think people came away really high. Like from what I saw, a lot of people came away really high on the movie, like just generally speaking. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And like, I, I, I can see that. But like, you know. That, 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 that's them coming away high on Demon Slayer as a whole and the movie being, like, the next part of it. More so, I think, than the movie as a different self-contained thing. I, I suppose that's true. It's just, yeah, w- w- when I watch it, the thing that I kept getting struck by is that it, it does the sort of, uh, here's the characters and they're stuck in a dream that represents what they want, and then it it's not a very interesting version of that because two of the characters who are also like two of the main characters of the show, just get a joke in there. And so it just shows no real investment in them for that part. And I don't think either of the antagonists are that interesting in this arc. I was sort of surprised to see that the actual like big moment of the movie was so disconnected from the train part. Yeah, it's really funny. They wrap up the train part and then it's like, okay, time for the climax. I would say time for a different guy. But I, it's and it, it, it's just weird. It's it's part of a growing alienation I've been feeling about the sort of uh, extreme flavor of the month shonen stuff because I don't know. I, I feel like growing up, it was. I mean, I, I grew up in the era of like the big three in the the Western con- consciousness of anime fandom, and uh, you know, when I was in high school, Naruto was big. When I was in college, Naruto was big, and then Naruto ended. I mean, me 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 too. We're roughly the similar ages, and now it's like. Whenever a new thing airs, it is the biggest thing until it goes off television and then a different thing starts airing. And then uh, it maybe it is the biggest thing again when it gets back on television. And it's it's just a weird mode of uh, like consumption and excitement that I have a hard time really vibing with, I guess. Because it feels so much like a specifically a mode of consumption where it is time to see the new thing and be excited about the new thing all the time. Right. Because it's like 12 episodes that were released how many years ago? For what? I mean, for Demon Slayer as an example. Um, that was like 24 episodes, then that was a couple years ago, I think? Yeah, right, like, that's nothing. For for the anime culture that Ruby and I came up in, a show that is still ongoing and came out two years ago, 24 episodes in a movie is nothing. There is no of that show. Mm-hmm. There are 720 episodes of Naruto, and I want to say, like, nine movies? Maybe more? Right, and like... I don't think that's a fault inherently obvious. Obviously, it is like probably not a healthy like work schedule. I mean, the thing is that the the 24 episodes or whatever is not in many cases a more healthy work schedule. Like you look at how many times uh, MAPPA specifically is pulling up big Shonen Jump licenses with Jujutsu Kaisen and then soon Chainsaw Man. And that is a nightmare studio in terms of uh, work schedule and uh, just general like employee treatment. So it, I, it's hard to call this like an improvement on that on that side. I think, and maybe maybe there's an argument to be made about it being better if you can just do like 24 episodes and then go on break to let more accumulate. But it definitely leads to a weird mode of uh, like very intense excitement about a thing that I often leaves me feeling kind of uh, alienated and burned on it in a weird way. They should just make anime worse, and then when that becomes more economical, they can start making more of it. Okay, I... Th- 
<laughs> Here's the problem: is that because they keep making more and more anime, they're just sort of it's just sort of trending towards um like on average there is more anime that is worse because there are just not enough people to be making all of the anime. Right. the The implication there was worse, less anime. Okay. And then when that becomes healthy, then when that becomes healthy, they should stay there. Actually. Right, but, like, expand by actually expanding, not making more work for everyone that's already there, right? I suppose so. The, 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 the labor issues of the anime industry are uh, more complicated than uh, we are going to solve in the first episode of this, I mean, the first segment of this podcast. There should only be one anime. What anime is it? And everyone, well, let's think about this. It's got to be a new anime, because it's not fair. If you let some people continue on the thing that they're working on and make other people's move to that thing. Okay. So one brand new anime. And everybody, if you're working on anime, you're working on that one. This is also a bad idea, but... It wasn't supposed to be a good idea. But it's a new idea. I I feel like we've gotten pretty far afield of the initial topic, so uh, maybe it's time to move on. That's my job. Uh, yeah, do we want to get into the episodes? I think you wanted to talk about something before that. Yeah, so specifically when I was looking at my, uh, at the various video files I have of Naruto on hand, I noticed, uh, the thumbnails for the, for episode seven is suddenly, is suddenly different than the thumbnails for the episodes before it because, uh, the opening is actually different this time. It's the, it is the same song and it is like, you know, the same, like there's, there's not any like differences in terms of like what is being shown, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, the more I looked at it, there's like more and more significant changes. Like the first thing that I noticed from that thumbnail is like in those early shots is uh, the colors of like the sunrise or whatever are a lot more subdued. And there's these weird digital like ray of light effects that are kind of obscuring some of the detail in the shot. So you can kind of tell immediately that there's been some changes to the composite. But also um, you get a little bit further in and you notice that the, the cut where Naruto is... Uh, there's a cut where Naruto is like he's like, like lip syncing to the music a bit, and that's like extremely different. And I'm not going to go like cut by cut, change by change, listing everything that's different. But you you can tell on two levels that there are both changes to the composite, and also there's like a pretty extensive pass in terms of uh, animation direction. Like there's a lot of corrections made. I'm I I guess I'm curious before I like go more in depth on like what specifically this entails. Uh, like, did you do much comparison to these? Did you like uh, notice much? I, yeah, I know, I noticed they were different. I didn't go through and do, like, a side-by-side. You weren't, like, frame-stepping through each version of it, like a crazy person. Yeah, I wasn't frame-stepping through each version of it like you. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, when I talk about, uh, part of the reason that I want to talk about this is I think it's very illustrative of what I, like, what it was meant when we talk about animation direction, um, because if you, like, make comparisons you can tell like there's some changes to not just uh making sure that the designs are a little more on model and consistent but also there's a lot of times where the movement is clarified or made uh like more dramatic um there's a uh you can pretty consistently notice that the uh the line work is a little finer and more consistent and um a lot of the detailing and shading on the clothes especially is a sort of more subdued and softer and there's like a, a different feeling to the bunching of fabric on the clothes um is naruto shinier i think naruto's shinier what do you mean shinier <laughs> like shinier um i mean there's definitely times where like the dark shading on his hair and his clothing is uh is toned down specifically i think i'm looking at i don't have them both up to compare 
but I think when he's getting out of the water after wrestling that big dude. Maybe he's shinier there. I feel like he's shinier there. But yeah, I mean, so... No, he's not shinier there. I'm crazy. Okay. I was like, I, guess, I, I, I didn't notice him being shinier there. And I was very confused. <laughs> was Naruto always this wet? Was there always a river there that Naruto fell in? <laughs> I, I think some of the things that are very uh, like, like like some really clear examples like what's changed on an animation and direction front that I can point to are um, there's the cut where Naruto like slices through the logo and he's flipping through the air and you can see a lot of the poses in that in the uh, the newer version are they're they're made way more extreme like you could, the uh, the angle on them and the there's just like a lot more extreme angles and like a, like a clearer line of movement um, you can see uh, th- this is a subtler one but like. In terms of just like uh, like cleaner movement, there's a bit where crouch where Kakashi is crouching on some power lines, and uh, in the initial version, he's just sort of like moving every part of him at once. But in the uh, in the newer version, he like crouches down and then raises his hands up to like wave, and there's a little like bit more springiness to the to the waving mo- uh, motion as a result. And there's the cut where Naruto and the Shadow Clones are uh, jumping and like they're attacking the big guy. And there's like a real significant difference to the timing of that clip that I think makes the emotion a lot more clear in there the the other thing is that uh part, part of a good animation director's job is to know when to not really uh get involved because uh norio matsumoto's big big uh scene where it's the big rotating action scene is uh the actual line work and that is completely unchanged unfortunately i think it's done a little bit dirty in the new composite where it's zoomed in more and the whole thing is a lot murkier the, the actual lines are uh untouched yeah, and important to mention also, uh, Sakura still doesn't do anything. She wrestles a guy to the ground. It's fine. That's. Fine. I'm just saying, she puts one guy in an arm lock. Sasuke and Naruto each take out like two or three, and then she doesn't. E- she doesn't even get to dodge the big log by herself. It's just, it's important to accurately represent the work in the opening, Gwen. Well, they shouldn't have. They should have made the opening different, and then ref- and then made the work reflect the opening. And I've 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 been sort of digging on the uh, on on some of the composite changes because I think there's definitely some weak ones. But you can also see a few times like there is a shot where uh, the actual positioning of the characters is like moved around a bit within the shot, and uh, like you can see like oh hey the characters are positioned in a way that uh, makes I think the shot a lot more clear. And there's a bit again at the end where Naruto is climbing out of the water. Um, you can you can see the uh, in the initial version there's like this really overdone digital effect on the like distortion of the things that are beneath the water that is toned way down in this one to good effect. So it, it's not all bad. It's kind of a mixed bag on that front. But I think the uh, the new animation direction touches, new corrections are. Uh, I think they're very striking if you know what you're looking for, and uh, very very interesting in terms of uh, how to like spot what is look very interesting in terms of um what exactly that sort of good animation direction can bring to this sort of project ruby i just had an insane idea what's that what if i made the cover art worse for the first two episodes of the podcast christ (laughs) you could do that (laughs) when we got here i touched it up like it's the same picture and everything but it's just Uh you know like the 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 features are placed are like moved along the face a little bit they're they're drawn a little more evenly that seems like a that seems like a bunch of extra work to make for yourself for a very silly bit. I don't know how much people would notice, but you could do it. Pretty funny if I did it. So we're going to move on to the episode. Um, Ruby, 
before we start with like the recap and talking through you know piece by piece uh do you have anything to say about your like just overall impression of the episode you know to kind of set the tenor of how we're going to be talking about it i think this is a very normal episode of anime i think it's very average like just in terms of the way the adaptation goes yeah yeah that's about what i'm feeling did you have so do you did you have a specific feeling about this episode you wanted to no i was just throwing a curveball at you to make you say something dumb maybe oh did it work no well, I, I can never tell if I've said something dumb until, like, a good week afterwards, generally. Yeah, me neither. Uh, though, usually, uh, I figure it out around Thursday. Is that when you get the podcast? Yeah, well, because I have D&D on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. So, so we, record on, we, we record on Tuesdays, by the way. No idea when these episodes go out, but, uh... Yeah, we... If you ever want to get, get a question into us on some uh, contact form that we haven't discussed or mentioned on this podcast at all... In by Monday. Yeah. Or maybe in the day during Tuesday. We go pretty late on Tuesdays, but... This is this is, a, this is an extreme hypothetical that uh, doesn't seem particularly relevant right now. Yeah, it's also not going in the podcast at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we going to get into the actual episode now? Episode 7. The Assassin of the Mist. Team 7 and Tazana are being brought to the Land of Waves by small boat. On the ride over, we learn that the man targeting Tazana is a very rich shipping magnate slash crime lord named Gato, who stands to lose a lot of money and influence should the bridge Tazana is in charge of building be finished. Tazana apologizes for not being able to afford a mission of the proper rank, but asks them to follow through with the mission and protect him from Gato's hired assassins. Team 7 reluctantly agrees to help after Tazana uses the emotions of his family as leverage. Right. So because I am um, looking at the manga in concordance with these episodes, uh, generally speaking, um, the first thing I noticed is that there's a, there's some reordering of like some kind of awkward scene construction in, in the manga here, where the chapter that this scene is in starts with uh, the bit from the end of last episode where Naruto has his like hand wound that heals, and then... And then Tazuna uh, says that he has something to say, and then it cuts forward to them on the boat, uh, and there's the bit of, uh, of Naruto on the boat like being told to be quiet, and then it cuts back to before they got on the boat, right after the, the scene that was like two pages earlier, where Tazuna is actually explaining the thing. So it, it's there's kind of a weirdly frantic nature to uh, the scene construction in a lot of the early Naruto manga, is what I've been noticing. That is, is kind of strange, and... and uh, there are definitely some attempts in the anime to rectify this a little bit, but I'm not sure they get all of the way there, because I feel like this is a conversation you have before you get on the boat. It is a conversation you have before you're on the boat almost there. Yeah. Um, it is a conversation you have before you're on the boat that you have to be quiet on. <laughs> yeah. Like, so in, in the manga, is it like, is the conversation more about like, we can we, we we can still just fucking say no way man and we're gonna turn around and head back to the leaf. There is there is definitely the implication of that. Like I mean obviously you know because of what comic you're reading that they're gonna say yes to the mission. But like Yeah. There is definitely the possibility that they could leave because they are not on a boat about to arrive at their destination. Right, where in the anime they change it a little bit to Well, the contract said we could escort you to the land of waves. We're going to get you there and leave. So, like, we technically fulfilled the contract, you know? And so it, it, it then became like, okay, I know I didn't, you know, pay enough money for the real contract. And also I said only that you'd only protect me to the land of waves. But, like, I'm still going to get assassinated. Can you help anyway? Yeah. 
which makes it a little bit weaker. It's definitely, uh, it definitely feels like less of an active decision on everybody's part when they're kind of in a position where it's a lot harder to leave when they are, when they choose to continue going through the mission. Right. Like they, like they don't have to get you back on the boat. And we find out later in this episode that Kakashi is the only one of these kids that knows you can walk on water. So Kakashi isn't one of these kids, but you know, Kakashi is the only one of these people. Like the kids don't know that they can walk on water if they use their chakra, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I bet Sakura and Sasuke know it's something people that they, that people could do. <laughs> Maybe. Right. You know, ninja stuff, throwing knives, being being sneaky. Walk on water and stuff. Stuff. The stuff is where they get you. That's the big part. Yeah, the stuff is like... The stuff is like... Fireballs and... And? More fireballs? Fireballs and like... I don't know. Pull a guy into the ground? Whatever the fuck Sakura does. Nothing. (laughs) It's sad, but we have to accept this. Yeah, I also want to talk a bit about Gato, because the introduction to him here is that he is uh, one of the richest people in the world, and I had totally forgotten this detail. I thought he was just uh, a local crime guy who was getting a little bit uh, a little bit big for his breeches, maybe. Yeah, Gato is Jeff Bezos. Yeah, Gato controls like all of the uh, like all of the like shipping waterways, or like most of them, it seems like. Also, he has gangs and drug. He, d- he does sell drugs. We do get, we do find out that he sells drugs non-specifically. I don't know if we ever get any other mentions of the drug trade in uh, in Naruto, but this guy sells drugs, uh, and that's how you know he's a he's a bit he's a he's bad news. And he hires ninja as if that's like a skeevy thing for someone to do. They list that right at, right alongside gangs and drugs and ninja. It's like okay, hold on. He, he's hiring ninja, but he's not doing it uh, good for the good of a country. Uh huh. But I, it, it, it's mostly surprising to me that Gato is such a big deal here because, um, or is presented such a big deal here because I don't remember anything with him uh, ever coming up again after this arc. Like any repercussions of uh, what happens in this arc ever happening, or like ever, ever, ever coming up. And I, I would assume there would be more disruption uh, to. Uh... Well, I mean, you got to figure that the ri- that one of the richest people in the world being killed by ninja is like kind of a common occurrence maybe it is so like really like how rich could he be if they're always getting knocked off the top there uh, it's uh that's that's a beautiful vision where being the richest person in the world just puts like a it's just like a countdown on your head until until the ninjas get you <laughs> just a huge target yeah that's wonderful i think we should implement something similar i think you might be onto something i'm not going to specify no you know, for plausible deniability in what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. But, you know. We're, we're just doing a world building right now. Uh, theoretical. Yeah, 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 yeah. In Minecraft. The, the only other thing I have to talk about in this bit before we move on is that I, I talked a bit about the early translation weirdness in the manga, and uh, that's kind of continuing. The thing that struck me this time is that uh, it just sort of alternates between uh, saying Land of Waves and Nami no Kuni. And there's not like a translator's note that says it's the same thing. It just kind of goes back and forth. And Nice. Yeah, classic. Uh, I also want to say something about the dub here. They try really hard to make it very clear 
that you know why Gato Gato's business will be in trouble if the bridge is built. They overexplain every single aspect of it. It's really funny. Huh. Like is is there just a lot more dialogue to that point or Yeah, there's just a lot more dialogue. Like to to the to the point where people keep talking even after the screen like looks away from them. Uh Kakashi I noticed Kakashi is someone who gets away with that a lot on account of the uh, face situation there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just funny how the English dub is just like, and because, hold on, let me get like a real example. Now, nah, fuck it. Bit over. I'm over, I'm over explaining now. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck you. You fall for the trap. That's, that's, that's my goal for recording podcasts now. I'm going to say less. We can all have dreams and goals and ambitions. All right, are we done with this part? Yeah. Fuck you. Okay. Naruto and the gang make it to land and start hacking to Tazuna's house, where they can get some rest. But on the way, jealous of how cool Sasuke was in the last encounter, Naruto starts pretending he senses someone nearby and throws a knife to a nearby bush. While he's being told off for messing around, Kakashi and Naruto sense something. Naruto immediately throws another knife, this time nearly hitting a rabbit. Kakashi takes note of the white fur meaning this individual was likely raised indoors for substitution jutsu. Watching from a nearby treetop, Zabuza identifies Kakashi and makes himself known by throwing his huge fuck-off sword into a tree, perching right on top of it. He does a really dramatic, like, look over the shoulder. It's really funny. Yeah, I'm glad that they're back on land now so that they, everybody can do comedy bits again. It's safe that uh, it's, it's safe for Naruto to do funny fuck-ups. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a really funny bit that Naruto's trying to show off by pretending to be a super alert ninja. Uh, I mean, like, I'm gonna like. There is not actually a noise when when the rabbit appears. So he he does he does sense that rabbit. So good on him, I suppose. Yeah, I, I really like the editing of it too, where it's like Kakashi notices it, and then you see Naruto having thrown the knife. Mm-hmm. We see Zabuza again. We see Zabuza's here. He's got his big sword. He's got his big sword. Every time I see that, every time I see the specific shot of uh, Zabuza like perched on his sword in the tree, I remember like the the sort of infamous German dub of Naruto. How they would, uh, I believe it was the German dub, where they would go out of the way to like edit out a lot of the weapons, so you just have Zabuza standing on like a hilt of nothing. That's really funny. It's it's a it's a classic image. If it actually exists, and I didn't just make it up in like my memory. I hope so. Kakashi recognizes Zabuza and tells the kids to stay back and protect Hazna. Getting serious, he raises his headband to reveal he possesses the Sharingan in his left eye. Naruto doesn't know what that is, so Sasuke tells him it's a special eye that has a bunch of cool powers, like seeing through Genjutsu. Zabuza compliments his understanding and fills in that it also allows someone to copy almost any technique, even if the user has only seen it once, and that Kakashi has a reputation as someone who has copied over 1,000 Jutsu. Sasuke is confused because he knows the Sharingan to be a special trait unique to the Uchiha clan, of which he is the sole survivor. I, I think there's like a really fun bit of intrigue kind of unfolding in this scene where we first see Kakashi, like he pulls out the Sharingan, and uh, you know, because we've seen like just a, a brief image of the Sharingan in a previous episode when Sasuke is thinking about the guy he wants to kill, it's like, oh shit, what does this mean? And then, you know, that goes further when, uh, when we actually get the explanation of what the Sharingan is, and it's like, oh shit, why does Kakashi have the Sharingan? And, uh, and you know that's that's like a it's like a fun little mystery to be planting in the heads of your viewers. Of course, if you were watching this on American television on the time, it's very likely that you would just uh, go online and um, search what the en- and search about that because uh, by the time this episode aired in America, um, the the manga arc that basically has all of those answers had had already finished, so that was all out there. 
But you know, if you were watching this outside of that context, or if you had the uh, the wherewithal to not like up Naruto spoilers as a teen, that would have been a cool mystery to you. Yeah, I think I started watching Naruto like on Cartoon Network, and I'm pretty sure the point that I watched had it like already established Sasuke as being someone who had Sharingan. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have a pre-Sasuke Sharingan reveal, mm-hmm. or like, period, right? Right. Hey, I also think it's fun how um, uh, th- like we, I think it's funny how uh, when when Ka- when Sasuke's having his internal mall, like he's like, could he be? And like, there, there's kind of the implication of uh, of like to the viewers, like, oh, is Ka- is is Sasuke wondering if this is the guy that he wants to kill? But like in actuality, the question is like, wait, do I have a cousin I don't know about? <laughs> yeah. Well, he does. <laughs> We're gonna get into that way later. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Um. Also, can I say something? Hmm. And it's something I wasn't expecting. What's that? Zabuza is uh, kind of good with kids. What do you mean? <laughs> okay, I mean, the way he talks to the children, when he's not like, Mwahaha, I killed children. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't know, kind of charming. I, 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 like, do you, do you have like, examples to point to that? Because this isn't something I picked up on. Uh... uh, I think specifically here, when he is talking to Sasuke about, like, what the Sharingan is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I got little, like, hints of it later. I'll see if I can... I mean, if this is a thread you want to keep pulling on as we, like, discuss these episodes, uh, you, should, you should definitely go for it. Yeah, this is, I think, where I, like, first noticed... No, where I first noticed it. But, uh... And, and it might have just been that one interaction that kind of came off, came across weirdly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I do want to pay more attention to that, uh, even in future episodes. Like, I, I'm interested in, like, this read and, like, in the extent that you see this coming through in Zabo's interactions with Team 7, because... Because you didn't see it, right? Yeah. I guess that's I guess that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Look, all I'm saying is that there is a world out there where Zabuza, with maybe a different upbringing, mm-hmm. is, like, a pretty cool dad. Zabuza's just, like, a, like, just like another Kakashi out there somewhere. Right. That's beautiful to think about. Sword Kakashi. Sword Kakashi. Uh, okay, moving on. Zabuza is done talking and obscures the area in a cloud of mist. Kakashi warns the kids not to let their guards down, since Zabuza is a very dangerous killer, and clears the mist around them with a chakra pulse. Sasuke is overwhelmed by a Jonin's killer intent, and momentarily considers taking his own life before Kakashi snaps him out of it. Zabuza has something to say about that, though, and drops between all of Team 7, disrupting their manji formation. Kakashi springs to action, stabbing Zabuza and pushing him away from Tazuna and the children. Zabuza spills water from his wound, as a second, probably more real Zabuza, appears from behind Kakashi and cleaves him in half with his sword, revealing that Kakashi too was a water clone. The real Kakashi puts a knife to Zabuza's neck and lets him know that the fight is over. So Kakashi's doing some copy ninja stuff right now. Kakashi, the copy ninja, is doing his copy ninja tricks. Yeah, so you were talking earlier about how uh, Zabuza came across as like weirdly good with kids to you in this episode, but the th- I think the thing that was distracting me from that here is um, there are like bits in this uh, episode where Zabuza is just like a sicko serial killer guy that I completely I, f- I forgot about the a- the element of him that was that I feel like that gets really downplayed when everybody talks about Zabuza, but he just has this bit where he's like, "Here is all the places I could stab and kill you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, the chakra pulse Kakashi does to clear the mist, I feel like that's a weird thing that's just kind of brushed over. Yeah? Yeah, right, because it's, I don't think it's anything. I mean, it's, it's a chakra pulse, you know? Yeah, just... You, like, dis- you dissipate the mist or, or whatever, at least chakra. I, I think it's fine. 
yeah, it's 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 fine. It's just like I don't know. It it came across as like a weird thing to glance glance over, right? Because like it is in a way like a key strategic moment in this encounter is making it so everyone can see. And like I guess it is kind of like self evident, right? And so it doesn't necessarily need to be over explained. But like I don't I don't know. I I, I guess I wouldn't. Hmm. Like I don't think there's anything that they could add to make it better. Right? Like, I don't, I don't feel like there needs to be, like, an explanation on top of what's there. But, but, but it is still, like, a moment that feels kind of, like, paced out weird. Does that make any sense? I mean, I think, I can sort of, I think it sort of makes sense because this was something I completely forgot about. So, like, like, it just didn't stick in my mind at all. Yeah, and it stuck in my mind so much that I put it in the recap for no reason. Because, like, ostensibly it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But then again, if we're taking this, like, I mean, if we're taking, like, every little aspect of the work seriously and, like, really looking at, like, the chain of events here, like, like like I said, it is, like, a key strategic maneuver to make sure everyone can see. It's, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it was just a high spot. It was, like, a little bit abrasive, you know? I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm completely, like, stonewalling your point here. No, it's fine. I, th- I think it would be better if he just didn't do that, if it was just a little bit misty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, I didn't notice it, and like my my uh, enjoyment of the episode continued to pace. So maybe you're onto something here, right? I don't know why I'm so hung up on this. Um, I also want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that outside of Naruto doing his shadow clone thing, this is the first instance of a corporeal clone. And this is this is specifically like water clone. This is not waterly shadow clone, which would presumably be a different thing. But I don't know if it exists. There are like other elemental release versions of Shadow Clone. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm curious what the what the distinction is ultimately, but I don't I don't know if it's uh I don't know how much it matters in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't. Well, the thing is, is that Shadow Clones explode into smoke when they're defeated. Water Clones explode into water when they're defeated, and Sand Clones that we'll get into later explode into sand when they're defeated. Right, but lightning release Shadow Clones don't explode into smoke; they explode into lightning. Right. That's stupid. <laughs> I think Lightning Girl Lee's Shadow Clone is a bullshit jutsu, actually. Uh, this is like, this is extremely off topic, but because uh, you know how your chakra gets split between your Shadow Clones? Yeah. And then when your Shadow Clone is dissipated, you get it back? Mm-hmm. Uh, in exchange for your, your clone doing a bit of lightning when it gets dissipated with Lightning Girl Lee's Shadow Clone, you just don't get any of your chakra back. Right. Which makes it seem like a bad play to ever do. And I guess it's different if it's, like, all of the chakra you put in that clone is, like, a like a substantial, like, big thing, right? I, I, I think that has some merit as like, a, as, like, a trap, right? Because, like, if someone is, like, defeating your shadow clone, like, they're already, like, in contact with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could also just have thrown, like, a kunai at it or whatever. Yeah, but, like, you know, by the, t- by the time you're infusing your shadow clones with lightning, you're, like, pretty good at, like, dodging kunai. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's true. This is this is really far afield. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I had to say about this stretch of the episode. Um, I, I do think it's really str- the the bit where uh, Sasuke is just like terrified and is like, "Maybe I want to die instead of being scared." is very striking and also something that is like really quickly left by the wayside. But I think it is uh, j- just because like we very quickly reach the point where you know the kids get into fights of their own. But yeah. I I, I I do think it's like a very uh, striking moment. Like it, it make it it does feel like very uh, uh, like oppressive and intense when that's happening. Yeah, for the couple of seconds that's happening. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, we 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 were getting to the end. We're getting to the end of the episode where Kakashi is standing behind Zabuza with the knife to his throat. He's like, "Don't move!" And uh, very accommodatingly, 
Uh, nobody moves for the remaining 30 seconds of the episode. Really good. Just completely static shots. It's very nice of them. Uh, okay. Let's move on to episode 8, The Oath of Pain. Zabuza scoffs at Kakashi's insinuation that the fight is over and explodes into water. Kakashi dodges a big sword swing from the real Zabuza and is persuaded into the water with a kick to the chest. Kakashi has just enough time to worry about how heavy the water feels before being trapped in the sphere of water attached to Zabuza at the wrist. Zabuza summons another clone to go bully the children and insists that in order to be a ninja, one has to make a habit of getting into life or death situations. So here in this episode, we immediately get into uh, just a, like a staple of long-running shonen adaptations where uh, the first three minutes of the episode are the last three minutes of the previous episode. Right. That makes writing my recaps really fun. <laughs> you need to like remember where the... Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, it makes it, it makes them feel like they go by fast because by the time I start typing, I'm like, wow, I'm already five minutes into the episode. Must be a nice feeling. Actually, like I said, a specific bit that, I, that like, really, uh, I found really, like, distracting and kind of amusing about this fight and the way it's edited, where um, when Kakashi covers the ground in spikes um, and, like, Zabuza jumps up, like, the shot is edited in such a way that, like, like Zabuza, like, jumps up off the screen and the camera pulls out and we see somebody falling into the water. And for a moment, I thought Zabuza just like, oh, you put Caltrops on the ground? Fuck this. And then just, like, dived it, just, like, dived in. It's, like, not dealing with that. But no, it's actually Kakashi falling underwater. And Kakashi is, like, surfacing from the water and Zabuza is about to do his water prison jutsu. And in my subs, I have the beautiful line, it's a special prison that makes it impossible for you to escape. <laughs> Which is, like, you know, I guess that's what you want from one of those. Yeah, I think I think I like how the early part of this fight, this like first phase where it's like Kakashi versus Zabaza and then Kakashi gets in the prison. I like how it is establishing like a limit or I guess like it is establishing that Kakashi's like copy bullshit until he starts to like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll learn more about it later. But like the, the, the copying jutsu in itself is like kind of not great when going up against someone who's you know jutsu it like actually is because we see that kakashi makes one clone but zabuza immediately just chains clones together he has zabuza shows like way better like proficiency in like using the clones actually mm-hmm. uh and having more of them right so it's just like uh i i, I like that early setup of like mm-hmm. well like, kakashi's got cool tricks but like Zab- like it's not like th- th- that cool trick isn't gonna get you all the way there yeah yeah and it's not until he <laughs> Pops off with his other cool tricks later that mm-hmm. really seals it. A swift kick from water clone Zabaza relieves Naruto of his headband. Kakashi begs the children to take Tazuna and run, but Sasuke figures Zabaza will just catch up and kill them after he finishes off a defenseless Kakashi. Zabaza swats Sasuke away like a fly, and Naruto almost gives into his fear when he notices his bandaged hand and remembers his convictions. Naruto charges in swinging, only to get knocked aside like Sasuke. He pulls himself to his feet, clutching his headband that we last saw being stood on by Zabaza, and declares that there is a new name he should record in his bingo book. So that bit in the end there is like at the top of this stretch of the, of the episode, there's a bit where Zabaza's like, only the people in my bingo book are real ninjas, right? Yeah. But like, Zabaza's like, he's not part of any official organization at this point. Like, is he getting new bingo books? Or is he just be like, yeah, they haven't released any new, any like real Pokemon since Gen 3. All these other guys are fake. Yeah, right. Like, I guess it's just per- personal. Just this is the one I maintain myself. Do my own research. Maybe. Talk to the boys. Also, I want to point, point out that like, bingo book is maybe like a little bit silly to hear. From like an English speaker's perspective, it's like I feel like it could have been translated differently. 
Or second with Bingo Book. I'm committed. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say it in the dub, so. They say it in the dub. They say Bingo. I believe they say Bingo Book, like those words exactly in the sub also, so. Yeah, but like b- Bingo is just like a Japanese word that means like basically like wanted poster or like something to that effect. I could get the like the actual like literal translation of the different components or whatever, but I'm not looking at that right now, so I don't remember. Yeah, but it's basically like a binder of wanted posters of ninja from enemy factions right like mm. it's just a who's who of who's cool like here's here's a guy you could kill for a ward or a guy you should be worried about if you see depending on how good you are at this ninja stuff it would be so funny if they just like translate it to black book yeah i feel i feel like i feel like if i was in the right chair at the right time i would have made that decision because black book is like kind of evocative mm-hmm. and like the the way that zabaza talks about it lets you like infer pretty quick what it's about Mm-hmm. But also it's kind of funny because isn't like Little Black Book like a thing where you shot down the people you fucked? Maybe? I feel like that's a thing. Okay. So you're saying you would go back in time to like create this innuendo. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to create the implication. <laughs> you want to create the implication that the highest level ninjas are just fucking. <laughs> yeah, obviously. It's the truest way to gauge your enemy's power. <laughs> It's just kind of like a, like, you know, a, like a, a fuck out of deep respect for their mastery of the ninja arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, move, moving past that, if you're going to move past that. Well, I don't want to linger on it, that's for sure. The, there is a bit that strikes me kind of weird uh, in specifically how the anime chooses to adapt this scene. Because there isn't the bit, like, like the bit where Sasuke is like, uh, he'll just chase us down and kill us if we run after Kakashi tells them to run. Is not, is like, new, is original to the anime. And... It definitely makes it kind of weird in the sense that, like, when Sasuke, like, also that where Sasuke runs in and attacks Abuza at this point is, like, that is also added in the anime. It, it winds up making the scene feel kind of weird because nobody is like, hey, Sasuke, don't run in there and attack him. They only do it when Naruto does, and Sasuke has his reasons for why he thinks that this is the right thing to do. So it kind of comes across less like, uh, like Kakashi is, uh, giving advice as, uh, to what he feels like is the right thing for his team, as, as it is, he feel like he's being kind of condescending to Naruto, because he definitely is like, hey, Naruto, don't run in when Naruto runs in. In a world where Sasuke didn't run in first, with no complaints, it's just like Naruto is addressed because Naruto is the one doing the thing. Yeah, but when Sasuke does it first, and everybody's like fine with it. Yeah, that's a little bit rough. I'm like, I'm not gonna linger on too much, but it, def- it definitely was a point of friction uh, that I felt with this episode. The, the the other thing that I noticed with the uh, with the manga in this part is that what, what I find really weird is that uh, in the anime we get all these scenes of uh, Naruto. He's like fl- he's like flashing back to all these things that he remembers as to why he wants to like he wants to like stay and fight and like usually when that's in like when i see that in the anime i often associate that with just a way that they're padding out the scene but the thing is that the scene in the manga is structured basically exactly the same way with like those scenes just pasted in there and i i feel like that's i feel like that's not how this usually goes maybe i'm wrong and that's just more typical of shonen jump comics of this exact era i feel like usually it aligns that stuff a lot more lightly when it's doing that but there's like there's like pages of just here's like here's the scenes from earlier in the comic the other thing that I noticed here in the scene is that the thing that started standing out to me in this scene is that it becomes clear that the stakes of uh, Kakashi being in the water prison are extremely not like, oh no, what if Kakashi drowns? It's just like, oh, Kakashi's in the water prison? Yeah. Like, he's fine. He can talk. He's, he seems to be able to breathe. And there's like bubbles coming out of his mouth when he's like talking. So I, I don't know what the situation is there, but he's, fi- he's, he's fine underwater apparently. Yeah, well... Ninja actually don't need to breathe a whole lot on account of their very slow heartbeat. You're right. 
It's all coming together. <laughs> we figured it out. Is he like drowning in the manga? No, no. Like in in, in both issues, he seems like he's fine in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like if if I were in the writer's room, if I had a seat at the right time, if I, if I was like an editor or something, you'd be like, hey. Why is Kakashi fine in the water ball prison? Yeah, I think it would add a lot more tension to the scene if if Kakashi was, like, actively starting to drown. Mm-hmm. Right, and that makes the water prison make sense as a technique in general. Uh-huh. Right? Because it's like, I'm gonna grab this one guy, stand here, and he's gonna be trapped in there for as long as I hold it. Okay? Seems like it's got some pretty exploitable weaknesses. But I, I, I guess, I guess, like it, it is a special person you can't escape from because you're able to breathe in there. That's the trade-off. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm also gonna say uh, points off for Zabaza's whole like killer shtick. Uh, he didn't have his water clone just chop Kakashi up right there in the uh-huh. <laughs> right there in the water prison right away. I mean, I don't want to get too like, oh, he, he, I can't believe Zabaza didn't do this as a plot hole. It, it is just weird to me that the that uh, there's no threat of Kakashi drowning. I, I know, I'm just picking on you. Naruto has a plan, but Kakashi won't have it, and orders them to flee with Tazuna. Tazuna knows the whole ordeal is his fault, and gives him permission to stand and fight. Zabaza has a laugh and reminisces about when he was their age, which reminds Kakashi of a story he heard of a child who, without any formal training, cut down a whole generation of would-be Miss Ninja before their graduation. Zabaza regards the memory fondly, and kicks the shit out of Sasuke for old time's sake. He's a psycho serial killer again. He's like, it was really fun when I killed all those children. And I was also a child. Yeah. Um, also, the the Tazuna telling them to stand and fight, it makes way more sense to put Sasuke's previous like explanation of why they have to stay and fight into Tazuna's mouth here. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Because like, he is the elder in this situation, so it makes sense for him to have that like bit of wisdom about how the the assassins coming after him would handle the situation is like Kakashi, don't be an idiot. We run away. He kills you. He comes and kills us. Right. Mm-hmm. That that's the easiest thing in the world for Tazuna to say. But I guess that would get in the way of the like emotional core of Tazuna being like, no, this is my fault. Mm-hmm. Don't let your teacher die for my sake. I mean, like that, like that, like that. That scene doesn't rely on uh, on Sasuke having his like, oh, we should run away thing, right? Because like that's that scene is just not in the manga, but the scene with Tazuna here is. Right. Yeah. That that whole like Sasuke situation, like it would be better if it was written better, mm-hmm. and put in, like written in a way that like fit more into the scenes around it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's I think what I've decided. But I, I, I do think it's a strong moment for, like, everybody to come together here to be like, you know, we're not going to leave our, 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 our comrade behind. We're not going to leave Kakashi to die. Yeah, especially after Kakashi just walked Sasuke back from the edge of suicide by basically saying, like, hey, don't worry, I'm not going to let my comrades die. Mm-hmm. To, to immediately turn that back around, but, like, addressing Kakashi is, like, something. Yeah, I, I like that bit. What what I like a lot less is as as Naruto is like talking about how he has a plan. There's like a cut over to Sakura blushing, and I I hate it. I find it repellent. Um, it's so bad. It's bad enough when Hinata's doing it. When when like Sakura is also doing it, I can't stand it. I'm I'm so glad that Naruto is not the comic where uh, Naruto is just accruing a bunch of girls who blush at him because it w- I I have I've seen like a brief vision of it here, and it would be miserable because Masashi Kishimoto is not writing anything to back it up. It is just girls blushing. I think I would cry. <laughs> I think I would be making a Naruto podcast. Yeah, 
I, I think I would cry if we started making a Naruto podcast and then I found that out. <laughs> I was like, hey, did, did you know that actually every girl in Naruto uh, like, like likes Naruto? Did you forget about that, Gwen? Did you... Uh... Like, like, no joke, like, nightmare scenario. Like, it, it is easy to, to, to rag on uh, Naruto being a comic where all of the, like, romance is, like, extremely perfunctory. But, like, every time we get a glimpse of it here, I'm like, maybe it's kind of a relief that I don't have to deal with that very much. Yeah, you know what? Fair. Uh, and something that I want to point out, just, like, a little detail that I left out of the summary, uh, you know, in case some, like, insane person is, like, listening to this without ever having ever watched Naruto. That's possible. I mean, you know, uh, the the thing about Hidden Mist Ninja for like the, in order to like graduate and become a ninja, you have to like kill another candidate in a one-on-one fight. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Hidden Mist, like it, it comes up how the Hidden Mist has like a reputation as like an especially brutal and violent ninja village. It's just, like the Blood Mist or whatever. It's like its nickname. The picture we get of his opposite here is like he's a sicko even beyond that. Yeah, right, because, yeah, for, for now, because, like, you know, he sh- showed up to school without any ninja training and killed all the others and was like, all right, I'm a ninja now, right? You're not going to tell him no. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, dude. Yeah, sure. Look, we got, like, a, we have about a hundred spare headbands now. You want you want an extra? Like, <laughs> what if Sabuza was just a guy who had, like, an armor suit made out of, like, a hundred headbands? <laughs> he, sh- he shows up to class like, this was a battle royale, right? I won. To Zabaza, every bus is the battle bus. It's so scary. Every time he gets off, he's looking for a hundred fuckers to kill. I'm so mad now. Are you mad that Zabaza isn't in Fortnite? <laughs> yes. Child Zabaza. <laughs> he would be so perfect because he get the big sword as the mining tool. Uh, maybe maybe Zabaza gets added to Fortnite later. If they keep adding Naruto characters. I hope. We all have to hold on to something. So are, we, are we ready to move on to the coolest part in any anime ever? I am ready to move on to the coolest shit. Okay. Naruto creates a crowd of shadow clones to pile on Zabuza. Zabuza throws them off, but Naruto tosses Sasuke a demon wind shuriken. Windmill of shadows. Looks fucking sick. Sasuke throws it past water clone Zabuza. Unfortunately for Sasuke, Zabuza is really good at catching demon wind shuriken with one hand. But Sasuke didn't throw one demon wind shuriken. He threw two, hiding the second in the shadow of the first. But Zabaza's reflexes are too honed, and he hops over the second Demon Wind Shuriken. But unfortunately for Zabaza, Sasuke didn't throw two Demon Wind Shuriken. He threw one! The Shuriken that Zabaza hopped over erupts into a cloud of smoke, revealing it to have been a knife-throwing Naruto the whole time. It's so fucking good. Like, it, this is, this is like, every, everybody knows this is the highlight of, of this, this, like, whole situation. Like, this is by far... Like, the the most, like, animation-intense part of the episode. It's so good. It's so good. It's, it's, it's such a cool trick. Like, I don't always hold uh, Naruto in my mind as, like, an action comic that's about, like, using your powers for cool tricks. But this is a really good trick. I, it's a really good trick. I, I have very specific memories. Like, I was watching this for the first time on, like, DVDs I was borrowing from a friend. It was, like, I was just, like, sort of sitting there. I got to the end of this episode, and I stood up, I was like, I need to talk to somebody about this. Like, found a pace in, like, pace around my house, and, like, going to my little brother to, like, frantically explain this, uh, this, <laughs> this Naruto fight trick. And I bet he had no idea what was going on, but, you know. Right, and it's, like, it's so good. Like, A, it's, like, a really cool trick, mm-hmm. and it's such a good, like, first real trick. Yeah. In, like, the whole anime. Before this, Naruto just kind of, like, used his powers in, like, a pretty straightforward way. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the mo- the most he ever did was, like, haha, you didn't know I actually had ten other me's hiding around. Mm-hmm. 
And that's like standard usage of shadow clones, or I guess clones in general, if you want to broaden that description into like water clones or sand clones or lightning release shadow clones. I will never. And like, this is the first time that it uses, that it, that like utilizes several different like little like tricks and gimmicks to pull something off. That's so cool. And it's so cool that it's the first one because it never gets better. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that'll get better, but you know. No, because it's the first one. <laughs> Also, we need to talk more about Demon One Shuriken, Windmill of Shadows. It's so good. It's it's cool as hell. It's like it starts with you got the like the 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 one like there's like the four blades of line. You like spin it out. It's just, it's just cool. It's just cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, we don't get a whole lot of like impressive like named equipment. Yeah, that's because the character who specializes in that never does anything. Right. So and so something about like pulling out the Demon One Shuriken. It's like all of the children in the area are like really impressed. Uh, but like, it's just a toy you have, right? Like, it's like a big shuriken that like folds out and it's like cool, sure, but it's like, it's still just four knives in a circle. I, I, I don't know. I think the presentation is like a little bit goofy in that regard. It, it, it gives me like big, like, oh, this is the toy that was on the commercial vibes. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't think this is like a thing that was invented for Narsh to sell toys, but like, I, I get how, like, you know. No, no, I mean, like, if you sold a toy of this, like, and I... No, I mean, like, in the Hidden Leaf... Okay. There is a shop somewhere that puts up posters... Okay. ...of the Demon Wind Shuriken marketing to children. Oh, yes. And everyone's all like, oh, man, that's so cool. Oh, man. These children are going to go apeshit when somebody missed the gun and it's advertised to them. They do, in Boruto, <laughs> with the fucking Hokage. <laughs> we can't get this far, we can't get this far off topic, we can't talk about it. <laughs> We can't talk about Boruto yet. Uh, I thoughts about that, but that's we can't get into that now. We can't get into that now. We can't get into the next episode if you want. Uh, I guess we can. Episode nine: Kakashi, Sharingan Warrior. Naruto, still flying through the air from his time spent as a demon wind shuriken, hugs a knife at Zabuza's head, forcing him to bring concentration on the water prison holding Kakashi. Kakashi is impressed with Naruto and Sasuke. Zabuza blames the water prison breaking on a distraction, but Kakashi insists on giving Naruto credit and lets Zabuza know that he won't be able to capture him again. Zabuza begins to chant and Kakashi, with his Sharingan, matches him word for word, each leading on an identical water dragon jutsu simultaneously. Zabuza gets tilted as we see a mysterious masked figure watch from a nearby tree branch. Okay, so before we get into the events of, like, like specifically, like, falling upon those events, um, I want to talk about how uh, the storyboarder for this episode, uh, Toshia Niidome, is, um, he, he's not, like, a storyboarder that, like, I, I, in the past, held in, like, particularly high regard. Um, not as it's like, oh, I don't like his work, but I just didn't, like, make notice of it. And this isn't, like, a, like, wildly impressive episode, but I specifically want to bring him up because, um, of the 220 episodes of this first run of Naruto, Toshia Niidome storyboarded 43, which is a ridiculous number. <laughs> it was, like, nearly a fifth. Yeah, that's a pretty big chunk. He only has, like, a couple within the, within, like, the first year of the show's run. But, like, by the time he is, like, working regularly, he's storyboarding episodes of Naruto every four weeks, on average. Wow, I have no concept of how long it takes to storyboard an episode of Naruto, so... I, I, I don't know specifically how long, um, like, the storyboarding process generally is, but it is a density of working on this show, and particularly 
that in particular that is not matched by anybody else on this show's uh, on, on this show's staff. Like it is not uncommon for um, long running productions to have like specific people who like turn out like acceptable work at like a high rate. And like I think a lot of the time those sorts of people wind up being the backbone of like this kind of anime production, even if they're they are often not anybody's favorites. But you know, I, I think it is worth uh, shouting that out on some level. Yeah. So, when Zabuza starts the Water Dragon Jutsu, and, you know, Kakashi matches him, this is the first time we see a technique that includes, like, a verbal component. Is, is it a verbal component? That's how it reads to me, because they're just, like, chanting and doing the signs, and then, like, Kakashi also does the chant and the signs to get the Jutsu out, right? Like, I, I always read, the, read this as, like, this is just sort of them, like, thinking the names of the signs as they go, and, like, we're getting those, like, we're getting that sort of, like, internal chant, um, like, pl- played... O- o- over the scene like may- maybe it is them chanting i just I-, I just don't think of that being like a thing that people do as part of uh performing their jutsu in naruto right that's why it came across as weird for me i, I think in this part specifically I-, I think it is um you know it, it's- it creates this sort of layering effect to makes it kind of like oh this is like kind of overwhelming and difficult to follow and i i feel like it's going for that more than it is specifically going for the idea that they're chanting I, I guess part of what gave me that concept was that, like, if it is kind of, like, an internal, like, memorized, like, to, like, a mnemonic to, like, help memorize the order of the signs, it is acted very strangely if it's not, like, a, a chant to go along with the spell. Yeah, I, th- I think part of the reason that it reads so strongly as, uh, like, an internal thing is I'm, I'm gonna post how it's presented in the manga. Okay. Well, I didn't see that. <laughs> I know you didn't, but I, I, I'm, I'm, like, explaining to you how, how this contributes to my read of this. Okay, but like you, you, you see here. I, I feel like the 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 like bubbles that the like si- the symbols are in are very much like this. This this is very much the visual language of like this is somebody's thoughts and not uh this is something that's being said out loud. Right, and then in the anime, it's like the 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 line read for going through all the different signs is very like slow and chant like. Is it slow? Yeah, I mean, like it, it goes by quick, but like the 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 like vocal reverb and like the intonation, it's very like I, I I don't know how to describe it because like I'm not good at describing sounds or whatever because I'm a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. But like l- l- listen to it and you like you get what I'm saying, yeah. Like like it like it sounds like an incantation. I I, I get that. I, I guess it also sort of like lends to the ambiguity of it because yeah, uh, you can't see either of their mouths. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in my read of this situation, though. Yeah, I have no doubt that in the manga, it's supposed to be like an internal, like, thinking through the order of the signs, right? That is not the read you get from just watching the anime, in my opinion. Okay. Because that is not the read I got from watching the anime. That, that is evident. And th- like th- th- this is an episode that I I feel like on, on the scale of my previous times watching Naruto, where I was just kind of like g- g- just kind of going through it and not uh, doing a um, particularly uh, like not paying particularly close attention to every bit and just kind of like coasting between the episodes that are like especially intricate. This is the kind of episode that didn't really stand out to me. But on the scale of watching three episodes a week. This is definitely, I think this is definitely like the most uh, like technically impressive episode we watched this week. Um, oh yeah, because it's Kakashi and Zabuza's whole like real confrontation. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, there's there's like some, like when when Naruto's, like when I like hit Zabuza below the eye and like it's zooming in on him, there's like a really bad ghosting effect that's applied to it that makes them kind of hard to see. But I think there's like some really striking drawings of like that slow like zoom where like the, the fabric of his headband and like the blood are like flowing past his eye. And I think the the big uh, 
moment where the two like water dragons clash into each other and collapse is like it's not as uh like kind of like free-flowing and organic looking as a composition as it is in the manga but i think there's like i i, I was surprised by like the intricacy of like the fluid animation here and there's definitely like some like kind of like smartly used in this guy's loops in there but like i i i think it definitely does like catch the eye like really well when the two dragons collide and then like burst and like sort of collapse into uh like like flow over the battlefield it's i i i think this episode is doing like a like like this this isn't the episode that like stands out to everybody's minds but and like this is the episode that gets a lot of like sakuguburu uploads or anything but it is an episode that i think is doing a really good job with like what it has yeah, I think it does a really good job of conveying the action in a way. Well, I guess also like a little bit ahead of myself. Like after this water dragon, like not a whole lot interesting like visually needs to happen. I, I think there are still even moments after that, but like for sure. But like you know, no, nothing that would be like not nothing that needs to be too intricate or like that you need to throw a lot of money at animating. I'm like I'm like bulking at the at the uh, the, the the phrasing of like needs to throw a lot of money at animating because it's more complicated than that. But like it's fine. It is fine as a shorthand, as long as we all are under the understand and the uh, as long as we are all of the understanding that you can't just throw money at it and make the show look better. Yeah, no, no, no. you have to have your fucking drawing budget. <laughs> Gwen, Gwen, you're hurting me. <laughs> I know. I said it because it would hurt you, Ruby. Uh, this is your ninja technique. I also another thing I like is there's a there's a, there's a cut to um to like to like as uh, as like Sasuke and everybody are like watching this where um everybody else looks kind of impressed but like Sasuke specifically looks kind of annoyed it's like this is like whatever like whatever I could do this I bet yeah it's just Sharingan it's just Sharingan I'm still mad about why this motherfucker has Sharingan <laughs> he's gonna need to explain that to me <laughs> get some answers he thinks he's gonna he thinks he's gonna show off and everyone's gonna like brush over it no. I wonder if there's a part of him, too, that's like, cool, somebody teach me how to use my fucking Sharingan. <laughs> I was worried about that a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I'm not going to say that. It wouldn't be cool, but... It wouldn't be cool, but... Like, damn, it's good that not everybody who knows about this is dead. Or the man I want to kill. Yeah. Who is dead, to me, by the way. He's <laughs> a dead man walking is what he is. Ugh. Okay, uh... Kakashi to further psych Zabuza out, begins finishing his sentences and talking over him, matching him word for word. Zabuza sees a shadow of himself behind Kakashi and considers Genjutsu, but before he has time to come to any conclusions, he's washed away with Kakashi's giant vortex jutsu, the very same technique Zabuza was just about to use. Kakashi once again informs Zabuza that the fight is over, as Zabuza resigns himself to defeat at the hands of an enemy capable of seeing the future. Kakashi draws a blade and tells Zabuza of his imminent death. As two big needles sink into Zabuza's neck from off screen, the masked figure chucks unless kakashi know he was right zabuza died i think this is really fun because like yeah like unless i'm forgetting something the sharingan doesn't let you like see the future or like read people's minds kakashi's just like really good at psyching this guy out it's 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 a, it's a great moment because like you know reading this you don't know like the extent of what kakashi can do and like what the sharingan is but like in, in retrospect like going back to it, it's like oh he's just like a really good showman he's like really putting on out the stops you know maybe he uh may, maybe there's some element of genjutsu at play maybe he's like he know like he knows the specifics that Zabuza was doing and he was like baited into doing it or something maybe he uh is like just he just knows enough about the constructions of jutsu that he could figure out where this one was going yeah um he he could have also used genjutsu to like stall Zabuza enough for him to catch up 
mm-hmm. and get the jutes out before him. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of like, explanations of like what specifically could have happened, and like it it doesn't really matter. But like I, I think it's very fun that like to Zabuza, there's this like very scary idea of what of what what has just happened that like is probably not true. Right. Kakashi's like style of using the Sharingan is like convincing people that it can be, and I think that's really fun. Yeah, he's like later he's uh, back in the Hidden Leaf hanging out with Guy drinking buddies mm-hmm. and he's like and then i used my genjutsu to make a shadow of him appear behind me and he flipped the fuck out it was so funny <laughs> god i need that i need uh we, we need just like a series of, like in character recap episodes of like of, of like kakashi talking about like his missions with guy and guy is like talking about some missions that happen off screen right and they're just like drinking and laughing it up oh, that'd be great hold on i need to compose an email to the to the to the Naruto team. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get this off the ground. I'll help. And then they don't answer my email. Well, that was the way. Hey, I also, like, really like a lot of the animation as um, as Kakashi is actually doing the giant vortex jutsu. Like, I think there's a lot of, like, really snappy timing as, uh, where, like, it, like, it pauses just long enough before, like, r- like rushing over the screen, like, pushing its opposite back and, like, tearing through the trees. And there's a surprisingly involved bit of background animation where it's, like... If you look closely, like you can see that, like you know, the the water is looping and the uh, and the, and the background is looping, and they're not even like it's not even like one loop. It is like one of these loops is shorter than the other, but like it definitely like catches the eye and feels appropriately chaotic, especially when it goes into the final stretch where it like zooms in on the uh, the rushing water and like right, like like goes right for the camera. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was just surprised to see that here because in my mind there's sort of a canon of like what the good looking Naruto episodes are, and it's it's, it's always a pleasant surprise is. To see that there's, like, stuff I just didn't really hold in my mind, especially when I'm going to be, like, going back over this in such detail. Yeah. Also, this is a good time to take notice of this, quote, masked figure. Like, his whole situation, his, like, design. Mm-hmm. It's really strong. Yeah. Omnibus a mysterious guy shows up and that fucking rocks. Yeah, it fucking rules. He's the coolest guy in Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're, you're, you're planting that your stake on, like, a lot of peaks very early on. <laughs> But, like, the mask is cool. The mask is so cool. Man, I wish other people had cool masks in Naruto. <laughs> just guys with bullshit masks. I'm not actually committing to statement that every other mask in Naruto is bullshit. But this is a very cool mask. All of the Tracker Ninja masks are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't know what this mask is. Because in the fiction of this podcast or whatever, we haven't seen the rest of this episode. Yeah. It's not true. Hey, a little peek behind the curtains. We watch all of the episodes before we start recording. God, can you imagine if we each watch like five minutes of an episode <laughs> and like take it like like yeah, we take a break, we take our notes, we come back. That would be like it would take like twelve hours to record the podcast. <laughs> it would be really funny. <laughs> it would be exhausted. I would die every week. So speaking of dying, Kakashi checks Zabuza's vitals and finds no sign of life. The masked figure thanks Kakashi's efforts in defeating Zabuza. Kakashi identifies the figure as a tracker ninja from the Hidden Mist, and notes from his height and voice he's very likely not much older than Naruto. Naruto can't stand someone his age being way cooler than him, and demands to know what his deal is. Kakashi reassures him that the world is full of freaks, and that there are indeed children younger than Naruto but stronger than Kakashi. The tracker ninja takes this as an opportunity to get going, and grabs Zabuza's body as to not leak any Mist ninja secrets, and vanishes into to a gust of wind. Kakashi stops Naruto's second existential crisis of the day and takes two more steps before falling flat on his face, unconscious. Yeah. Your summary is like pretty flippant, but I like really like this whole scene. It's really good, yeah. It's really good. Um, 
Something I want to like specifically call it here is like a change from the uh, the manga that I actually really like. When Kakashi identifies uh, this this mysterious figure as a tracker ninja in the manga, it's Haku that explains what a tracker ninja is. But um, in the anime, it's like Sakura who steps forward and is like, "Yeah, like tracker ninja. You know, they they hunt down like uh, people who defect from the villages and they kill them. And, like everybody does this. This is normal." And I think that like it does such a stronger job of like positioning what the ninja world is because with the framing of the blood mist earlier on in like these episodes, um, it would. Be be very easy to believe like oh this is just like an especially fucked up practice or whatever but like this is but like i i think it's very strong to like plant that seed that this is what the world is because that's also true of the comic it's just um i i, I think it's a smart move to like get that like positioned like earlier and uh more clearly and not like create an immediate like realm of deniability of belief being not quite as bad as everywhere else because like it's probably better than the mist but like yeah i mean it's got you know it's got big heads and uh rock faces shacks yeah i mean the mist probably has shacks too now that i think about it they might even have rock faces i don't remember no couldn't be how would they how would they how would they keep all the mist around it would just fly right over the hill you've lost me everyone knows that you can't have mist and rock faces they scare each other away all right i've got a i'm not digging further on this it's science ruby okay I'll defer to you as the science expert of the podcast. I don't know science. I just know anime. Okay. All right. Okay. That's good. Because I, I am the smart one. But I, I also really like uh, Naruto's like freak out here. Because obviously, like, you know, the, the, the way it is expressed externally is like, oh, this is a kid. And like, they're like way stronger than me. What am I doing here? But like, I, I think there's like a lot more going on there. Because also, this is the first time Naruto has ever seen somebody die. And, like, has ever come to terms with the fact that, like, somebody who, like, was obviously very strong could still be seen as, like, disposable, only of value as long as they continue to provide value to, like, the system they work for. And, like, Naruto doesn't know how to express that because he's never really taken the time to, like, direct his feelings towards anything other than, like, a desire to become strong because he knows people acknowledge strong people. But I think you can definitely tell, like, oh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot on this kid's mind that he does not know how to say. And I think it's really cool. And I think that the performance, like, the performance here from Jingo Takeuchi as Naruto is like very strong. Yeah. Um, also, can I say something? Hmm. I don't think it took that much of a cool guy to kill Zabuza then. It was just like, you just throw a knife. Anybody could do that. Yeah. Right? The whole like, I, like Kakashi's whole angle of like, yeah, there's like stronger people out there, bud, like get used to it. Like doesn't hold a lot of water to me because like Zabuza was like already defeated. Right. I, I guess so. But also like he... Like, they, they put, like, two ni- two knives, like, very, like, two, like, needles very precisely through the neck without being noticed before that. Yeah. Yeah, like, I I, I suppose, right? Like, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, like, on some level, I think conveying, uh, conveying his skill in that instance in maybe a more dynamic way would have, like, settled with me better. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's just one of those things, these things that I, like, just immediately buy because I have so much Naruto in my mind that, like, you know, when I see, like, oh, yeah, this guy's really strong. I remember, like, the stuff he does later in this arc where he's really strong. Yeah, right. And, like, it, it is really hard for me to know sometimes how this would play if I didn't have all of Naruto in my brain for the last decade or whatever. Right. And I don't want to be the bitch that, like, keeps trying to rewrite scenes in Naruto. But I guess I'm gonna because something that I think could have sold this scene a little bit more to me was if Zabaza was like ready to get back into it and uh the tracker ninja as we're going to keep calling him mm-hmm. uh like stuck the needle in him like mid-swing and dropped him maybe right because then it's like oh i want to see where this goes okay i've seen what i've needed to see pop Zabaza's dead mm-hmm 
like like on, on the point of Kakashi like being like oh yeah there's there's kids that are uh you know younger than y- younger than you but stronger than me or whatever um, not, not that Haku is necessarily like either of those things because like I know Haku is older than Naruto right actually I'm saying Haku I didn't say mysterious tracker ninja or whatever oh no we can keep calling him Haku it doesn't fucking matter right like like yeah his character is, is, is like is like older than Naruto and like I, I don't know there's like power levels to determine whether or not he's stronger than Kakashi or not uh Kakashi's actually talking about Gara here maybe maybe I, I i was curious if like if there's like a sp- exact like expression of this that we see and, like maybe, maybe that is intended to be like maybe, maybe gara is intended to be that but the, the the thing i like about that being kakashi's response is that like like i bet kakashi knows there's other shit going through naruto's head but like the only real response he has is specifically on that level of like yeah you know there's strong people out there like he can only he, he can only re- respond to um like naruto's uh like like naruto's complaints on this one specific level because i think kakashi is a guy who on a lot of levels does doesn't have the answers to any of those questions that Naruto's worried about either. Like he's just he's just in this, he's in the system, and he's gonna try and keep these kids from dying if he can. But like he doesn't he, he doesn't he doesn't really have right, like anything else figured out beyond that. And I I, I think it is like I, don't know, I, I think that's like a strong place for these characters to be in. Yeah, Kakashi's just like oof, wait until you get a bingo book. You you learn about all kinds of strong babies. Which now that I'm thinking about it, Naruto should be in people's bingos books, right? I mean like like, e- even as a short, like, yeah, this 12-year-old has the fucking nine-tailed fox in him. Keep an eye out. I mean, in theory, like, in theory, that is a secret. Okay. I, you know, I I have my questions about how that is a secret that anybody's managed to keep, given the specific situation that I'm not going to get into right now. But, like, in theory, people don't know that Naruto has the nine-tailed fox in him. He has whiskers. Anybody can have whiskers. Maybe he's just, like, a cat-themed ninja. I suppose it's possible. Because in Boruto, we do get a cat-themed ninja, so we know it's not unheard of in The Hidden Leaf. Uh-huh. So, Jimmy, uh, do you have more you want to say? Yeah, I want to say it. Mm. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Right. I don't I don't think Zamas is actually dead. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we know Zabas is not dead because we watched the show before. I'm just saying, the big bad of the whole arc being yeah. killed off in episode what? What is this, like episode four of the the, the, the arc? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, like the, the fact that like, oh yeah, I'm going to take the body away and definitely destroy it. That's like, that's like, that's uh, like obvious. Uh, oh yeah, this is uh, this isn't actually over stuff. And, and also, we established last time that Kakashi doesn't know anything about how the human body works. So I don't trust his reading on whether or not Zabuza was alive. Just checking the wrong area for a pulse. <laughs> it's like, it's like touches his forehead, it's like, yeah, he's burning up, must be dead. <laughs> Man, then he collapses on the fucking ground. Man, we, we talk a lot about bullshit cliffhangers, remember? This is like a pretty, like, this is an alright one. Yeah, this is, this is like the real twist of the next episode. It turns out is not dead, but Kakashi is. <laughs> Uh, finally, we fall into the Kakashi is dead timeline. Naruto's gonna be completely <laughs> different from how I remember it. Uh, there's there's one last thing I want to touch on, which is th- th- this is not like something that's in the anime. This is in the like bonus content in the Naruto manga volumes. Mm-hmm. There is a bit where like uh, Masashi Kishimoto is talking about like various things about Kakashi and about like a. Uh, the books that Kakashi is reading and um you know he's just kind of like uh being coy about the fact that it's like a porn novel but also there's a there's a bit that's like but I will say that if Kakashi gets his wish Make Out Paradise Volume 1 may yet be published in English and that is a threat I am registering that as a threat (laughs) that is a threat I do not want Masashi Kishimoto to write and publish porn if he does we have to read it for the podcast like because because like the, the, like as I understand my my understanding what these books are is it's not just fucking you know it's also like a romance and like that's just two, that is just two things that I have no confidence in Masashi Kishimoto's ability to write. 
Ruby, it's not pornography, it's erotica. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Huge difference. Huge difference. But yeah, that that about does it for me. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. That'll be it. Thanks for listening to episode three of Konoha Crush. Next week, we will be watching episodes 10 through 12 of Naruto. And I guess this is our sign off. See you later. And remember, there is no such thing as filler.